Let us start with a word of prayer. Father God, I want to thank you already for the feeling of the presence of the Holy Spirit I feel in this place. I thank you for this wonderful church family. Um, I thank you for the opportunity that they have to show you, not only in, in, in word and in Bible studies, but in their lives. And it's my prayer today, Father God, that you would bless each and every person under the sound of my voice with your, your message and what it is that you want each and every one of us to learn and to take away, not only learn and take away for ourselves, but then to share the good news with others. I love you and I thank you for this time and this opportunity. Bless the word and may the words be spoken today from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I was looking at this the other day. Um, I believe I've been here, uh, or had the blessing to be coming to this church for the last five or six years. And I can tell you, it's just a blessing every time I come. And I, I appreciate you guys uh, continuing to invite me to, to Mount Pleasant. So thank you very much for that. As mentioned in, or in the bulletin here, my name is Heath Archer. and I'm, I'm a member of the Crowley Seventh-day Adventist Church in the Fort Worth area. And um, here today, normally I'm by, running solo, but I'm here today with my, my wife, Jacqueline, my lovely wife, Jacqueline, and my three boys, Boone, Hudson, and Luke. So we just want to thank you for being welcoming to our, our family, from your church family. And um, I know I just talked to Boone back in the green room here before we started, and he was already excited about something he learned in Sabbath school. So thank you very much to the Sabbath school teachers that are just teaching these little hearts and minds to, to follow the Lord. So, so my message today, it's titled The Arborist. Um, anybody in here, and I'm, I'm sure I will get some head nods and some hand raise, know what an arborist is. Yeah, okay. I knew that probably right off the bat. When I was thinking about this title um, and praying about the message for today, I was looking at... Um, I was actually trimming my own trees in my house, at my house. And I love trees. I absolutely love trees. My wife and I, uh, we differ on trimming uh, procedures. Uh, and you may, you may know this in, in maybe your own lives. Uh, there's normally a person that likes to throw away things and get rid of things and kind of declutter. And then there's one that maybe likes to hold on to a few things here and there and maybe keep things for a later date. Well, I'm the keeper, and she's the... Get, get rid of. This is, it, it translates the same way with our trees. I love our trees to be thick and full and just let them grow, right? And my wife's like, we need to trim them. We need to clean them up. You know, you can't see the roof or you can't see the house or this or that. And so as I was trimming our trees earlier this week, it really struck me how um, once I did trim them up and trim off the dead limbs and trim it basically where you could see and see have a better visual how beautiful the trees were and really at the end of the day when you do that when you when you trim those trees and when you clean them up it's good for them right it's really really good for the trees and so here i was trying to think well i'm gonna just let it save and let it grow no you need to trim it i need to clean it up i need to give it the tree the best chance and possibility it can have to be healthier to grow bigger to give us that shade, that much-needed shade that we all look forward to in July and August. So, I always like to define uh, the title of my message. I know a couple of you already know what an arborist is, so if you can belabor me uh, a couple points here. 
of what an arborist is and the definition, the, the, the technical definition. Uh, so what is an arborist? It's, they are a specialist in the care of woody plants, especially trees. Another definition says it's a cultivator of trees, one engaged in the culture of trees. And the last definition I pulled up says one who makes trees his study or who is versed in the knowledge of trees. That'll come back as we get into the message today. So the reason I, I chose this title, and really the scripture, I love this scripture. It tells the story of trimming and pruning your trees at home. How you do not like to trim and prune. But maybe expand a little bit about how Jesus wants to trim and prune in our lives. Right? I'm going to be drawing a parallel here. So I'd like to read the verse again. I'd like to start in actually verse 1. I know we call that 15.2. But I'd like to read 15.1 and 2. It's titled, The Vine and the Branches. And my uh, translation I'll be reading from today is found in, in, it's the NIV version. You may have the King James Version or the New Clear Word, or the Clear Word or the New King James Version. But if someone could give me a hearty amen when they get to John 15. Awesome. Thank you very much. The Vine and the Branches says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So in this, Jesus is talking about the context here about who he is, who he is to us, and the work that he does through us daily. He cuts off every branch in me, in he, that bears no fruit. And even the branches that bear fruit, he still prunes them so he, I can be more fruitful. Have you been pruned lately? Have you seen and experienced God in your life working, cutting away some branches, cutting away some dead things in your life? Right? Maybe that you don't need. Maybe we don't even know we don't need them, but He does, right? But throughout this today, this message, if you don't take away anything else I've said today, please know that God is actively working in each and every one of our lives. Pruning, trimming, refining. Some people draw the parallel to uh, refining of metal, of gold and silver, right? The purification process. It's not comfortable. <laughs> be the first to tell you it's not comfortable. You can probably shake your heads and, say, and know, okay, yeah, I remember that time in my life. Where I had to go through something. God took me through something. He refined me. And during that process, it was not pleasurable. I did not enjoy it. Right? But when you get through the other side, and you look back, you can see the wonderful power of God and everything that He's done in your life to put you in a better place. Not only to put you in a better place, but for you then to bear more fruit, as the Scripture says. Right? Okay, thank you, God, for pruning me. Thank you for bear, you know, getting me more fruitful. Well, what good is that to me if I'm not sharing that with somebody else? Right? What good is that? To be more fruitful if we don't share the fruit. The Bible example I, I, wanna, I want us to turn to today, and I'll be reading 
uh, Acts chapter 9. So if we could uh, have everybody turn their Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And just give me a hearty amen when you're there. But we're going to look at the Saul to Paul conversion. And brothers and sisters, I can use a lot of examples in the Bible where God has pruned and refined people, right? You can probably think of Job. I've uh, talked about Job before here. Uh, he's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But Job, we see how the Lord refined and pruned, removed the dead, right? The dead off of him. Jonah, I mean, the reluctant prophet, right? <laughs> God wants to use us. He wants to use you, right? To be fruitful. Not for just you and your immediate family and your immediate sphere of influence, but as Beverly mentioned, for Bible study, for sharing your testimony. God is constantly refining and, and pruning and removing the, the things in our lives that will, the world, let me just say that, the world, and drawing us closer in our walk with Him. And I did hear some amens while I was talking, so thank you. And I want to put my, my readers on, my eyes on. So we're in Acts chapter 9, and this is entitled uh, Saul's Conversion. Now a little pretext for this. Uh, we all know Saul converted to Paul. His name changed Saul to Paul. Uh, we also know that... Um, or you may not know that his beginning of his life and his journey, he was um, a priest of the Jews, right? He followed their ways and their doctrines and their truths, steeped in traditions, years of knowledge, rules and regulations, this is and that's. And now all of a sudden we have this, the way that started, the Christian church, the Christian movement through Jesus Christ. And now we have Paul, who's thinking he's doing right by persecuting the way, the people of the way, the Christians. And in Saul's mind, that's all he's known all his life. He's doing it for God, persecuting Christians. So now we're going to see in this chapter just how God reaches Saul, now Paul as we know, and the conversion that he has on this road, as we know, the road to Damascus. So, chapter 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I find it interesting in verse 5, the response, the immediate response that Saul gives to this voice that he heard. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. So immediately, he knew that it was the Lord speaking to him. Why would he say, who are you, Lord? The response, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to, you must do. In verse 7, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I can only imagine, right? They heard this voice. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus. In verse 9, how, many, how long did he have blindness, this blindness? Three days. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Could you imagine your lives just for a minute going along, thinking that you're doing what you need to be doing, focused on God, what you've been taught, and all of a sudden you have this light around you, a, a voice calls your name specifically, right? And you're blinded. Just think about that for a second. All of a sudden, you have no sight. Does that get your attention? I can tell you the, the light, the bright light, and this the, the sound calling my name would get my attention. Much less a light, someone speaking to me and knowing my name out of the middle, mid, you know, the air, and then blinding me. Very much has my attention. Let's go to verse 10. It says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen, seen a man named Ananias. Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. There's a lot, there's a lot going on right there, right? <laughs> uh, and it gives you more uh, credence to God and his authority. More authenticity and, and credibility to what has just happened in this man's life, right? The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Exactly where, you know, he told him. I love the response of Ananias. Okay, verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So immediately we see the response from Ananias, right? One of the important men of the way, the Christian movement, saying, wait a second. You want me to go where? You want me to go see this guy? This is the guy that's persecuting us, right? That doesn't make sense. In our logical mind, it does not make sense. Why? You want me to go to this guy that wants to kill us, basically. That's what you're saying. And I love the response of the Lord in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Ah, to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So let's focus real quick on the first part of that response. And the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Are we chosen instruments from God? I heard it. Yes. Amen, right? We are chosen instruments the same for God. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. The arborist wants to trim me. He wants to trim you. For His will. For His purpose. Right? Isn't that an honor? That's an honor. I say amen to that. I want to be used by God. I want to go out. I want to tell my testimony. 
I'm standing in front of you today. I do not, I cannot quote, quote scripture. I cannot pull verses. But what I can do is serve God. What I can do is step out in faith. What I can do is say, God, I don't know what you want to do with me, but I'm willing. I will do it. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that it's the same today. That whether, wherever you're at in your journey and in your walk, that you are willing to be used by God. Amen. Willing to be a Paul, a Saul the Paul, right? Amen. I don't want to be Saul. I want to be Paul. Amen. In verse 17, we see the response of this wonderful man, Ananias. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the what? Amen, son. (laughs) Amen. Out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Immediately, in verse 18, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Praise God. I'm sure he was praising God for the physical, right? The physical healing that this man received. That's great. Thank you, God. But yet we see the heart of Paul. Saul to Paul. Now, what is it that you want me to do, right? He's on fire. I tell you right now, I would be definitely on fire, even more so, after the experience I just had. Three days of blindness, Ananias coming to me. God gave his name to my, in my dream, that Ananias was coming to my house. And sure enough, we opened the door and there's Ananias. Praise God. There is a lot of miracles going on here in this little, in this story. But what it's doing is God is pruning, he's trimming, he's taking away all the dross, all the bad things from Saul. And now he's going to plant Saul. Right there, right? He's going to have Saul, Paul right there in the middle in this beautiful tree with these beautiful flowing branches for everyone to see. Not only to see, but to hear. Amen. Amen. To hear. Once again, brothers and sisters, this is a personal testimony Paul can share with these folks. Right? And he could see again. What is the first thing that happens after he can see again? He got up and was baptized. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, when you have a true conviction and you have a true conversion of the heart, you cannot sit still. Your feet cannot sit still. Your heart is jumping out of your chest because you know the Lord is with you. He is walking with you. He is giving you an opportunity to be fruitful for Him. Right? To share the good news. To share your testimony. He got up and He was baptized. And after taking some food, He regained His strength. As mentioned in the very beginning, I've definitely been pruned. Years ago, if you would have asked me to to stand up here in front of you, I would have said, there is no way. Thank you, but I'll just sit, hear the message, wear a jacket and a tie. As my friend says, church it up, right? Say good morning, happy Sabbath, life is good, and then go home. 
But that's not what happened. I've got three quick examples to talk about. My parents divorced when I was about 11 or 12. And I fell into following the world. I was born and raised a third generation Adventist. Went to church every Sabbath. But I fell away. There was a great distraction in my life at that time of great void. And so I filled it with the world. I did not fill it with Jesus. Another example in my life where God pruned me. He removed the dead and the dross in my life was my mother had a brain aneurysm. And uh, through that brain aneurysm, the Lord connected me back to his, convicted me, excuse me, of his faithfulness. Um, The other example was my season of apathy in the church and just going through the motions. It's very easy to do. You just come, like I said, go through the motions. But there's no real fruit there. So you're just warming a pew, as they always say, right? We don't need pew warmers, right? I was, that's, that was what I was doing. I was just warming the pew. Never wanted to get involved in church ministry or help here or lead out there. I didn't feel like I could give what I needed to give. I didn't feel like maybe I knew as much as I had or thought I needed to know to do those things for Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today that you do have enough. You have enough. For Jesus. He knows exactly what you have. And he knows the potential of each and every person in here. And he wants to use that potential that he's given you. Brighten it. Strengthen it. Clean it. Prune it. Right? So my question to you today is. What is God trying to cut off in your life? What branch of yours that bears fruit is God pruning now so that it will be even more fruitful? Once again, brothers and sisters, I say this wholeheartedly. It is such a great thing to be pruned. (laughs) Even though we don't like it. It's great to be refined because when we get out on that other side, we can see how much purer, how much brighter we are. And once again, it's not for us. It's not for us to say, look at me. I'm, prune, I'm, I'm lighter, I'm brighter, I'm stronger, I'm prettier. No. I'm more fruitful. No. He's more fruitful because what He's done through me. I can then be used as a, as a, as a disciple. Do I dare say it? For Him. For His glory. For His honor. The bearing of fruit is not just for you but for others to be able to enjoy, to share in your experiences. I've got one other testimony, and then I'll get into my conclusion. They told me I had about an hour and a half to talk, but I'm just kidding. Um, We'll we'll wrap up uh, pretty soon here. Thank you so much. Um, We have a Labrador. He's almost two years old. His name's Walker. I knew my seven-year-old would look up at that. Um, When he was a puppy... Um, he got into, and labs like to chew on things. I don't know if you guys know this. They like to eat things and chew on things and dig things. But 
long story short, our puppy walker got into my two-year-old now, uh, Luke, his socks. And so an adult sock, I'm not too worried about a dog, you know, but these little pair of socks were just perfect size for Walker. And so Walker ate them. And Walker got them stuck in his intestine and could not pass the socks. I'm going to pause there. My seven-year-old son, Boone, when he was born, he had a heart condition. And we prayed and prayed, and our church prayed, church family and prayed. And God healed this young man in his heart condition. I'm here to tell you right now. The Lord healed my son. So fast forward back to Walker. Eating those socks. My wife was with the boys. I was traveling for business. And she just dropped Walker off at the, the, the ER, the animal ER. And they were just, it was not a good outcome or, or thought. <clears throat> my wife was pretty frantic. She was thinking just how we would normally process things. Oh, what am I going to do and this and that. And all of a sudden, my seven-year-old in the back seat says, Mommy, God healed my heart. He can heal Walker. Amen. And right at that moment, <laughs> my wife was like, all right, God's going to heal this dog. So she let Boone pray. Boone ha- had a prayer. And that day, that very evening, Walker passed the sock. Amen. So back to share your testimony. And out of the mouth of babes, right? Amen. That God can use us if we're one-year-old, two-year-old, seven-year-old, 97-year-old. We have a testimony to share. We have a message to share. We all have had a Saul to Paul conversion at some point in our lives. And if you haven't had one, get ready. You're probably going to have one. But that's okay. I'm here to tell you. That's all right. I want to go through those trials because I know God is still working. He's still trimming. He's still looking after me, right? He still wants me. Man, how great is that a feeling to be wanted? No matter what's going on with your family, your father, your mother, relationship-wise, you have a hev- we have a heavenly Father, Amen. right? Who loves us so much. Who never leave us or forsake us. In conclusion, I believe it's about a conversion of the heart. Saul to Paul had a conversion at a heart conversion. A pruning means to declutter the things in my life that get in the way of my relationship with God. How many times have we refused to be pruned by God? So many times we want to follow the ways of this world, only to wake up to the reality of God's goodness, His faithfulness to us. He is constantly working on us, through us, and for us. Just like Saul, now Paul, it is my prayer that we each will turn from this world and the emptiness it offers and run with our eyes wide open and our hearts fixed on Him, the author and finisher of our faith, the arborist of our hearts, wants nothing more than to draw us closer in a relationship with Him. Not for just a lifetime, my friends, but for eternity. Have you ever just stopped and pondered eternity? We can't, my little mind cannot wrap around that concept of eternity with our Heavenly Father who created us, 
who knows us better than we know ourselves, who wants us to spend time with Him. That's all He wants. The Creator to the created. Please spend time with me, Heath. Please spend time with me today. And I'm not just talking about Sabbath. This is an everyday journey. He wants us to spend time with Him. May we all dig into this Word, the Bible. This is a love letter from Jesus to all of us. This life book, it's living, breathing, and it, <laughs> it's amazing. Because you can, we can all read the same passage, and God will give us something each different to take away from it. Isn't that wonderful? So please, may you continue to dig into His Word. And I pray that God will remove the branches in your life that bears no fruit and continue to prune us to be even more fruitful for His glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, once again, just thank You for this time and this opportunity that we have to draw closer in our walk with You. May we be willing to be pruned, to be used by you for your glory and for your honor. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Bless this wonderful church. And may they be excited about sharing the good news and being pruned by you and being refined by you to then go share the good news with any and all who would have and want to know more about you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.